Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, and you're listening to season four of The Females, a podcast that deep dives into the world of women, work, and what it takes to build a successful and fulfilling career on your terms. This season, we're exploring the theme of courage, from the traditional definition to the new and unexpected ways that courage shows up in our own lives. Today's interview is with Heather Monaghan, a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and podcast host focused on confidence, including how to build more of it, the myths that surround it, and how to recognize the triggers that knock you off your confidence game. How do you play big when self-doubt and a mean inner critic have drained your confidence? Heather will be answering all that and more with actionable advice that you can try today. By the end of this episode, you'll learn how to draw and uphold strong boundaries, the practice Heather swears by to increase your confidence in the next 30 days, and how to boost your confidence in an authentic and dynamic way. And now this is The Females. Well, thank you for joining The Females, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I want you to briefly tell us how you came to be the quote unquote, the confidence creator. What a great title. (laughs) Well, it's kind of crazy. That's actually the title of my first book, which that's crazy in and of itself because I grew up very poor and definitely struggled with confidence my entire life. And, you know, all through corporate America and through my 20s and 30s, I really tried to project an image of confidence, but truly inside I was shattered and I've gone through so many different situations, whether it be divorce and, you know, being harassed at work and sexually harassed at work. I've gone through a lot of really low moments that, you know, shook me and my confidence to the core. But in the past two years, I've really learned how to step into my power, be my real transparent candid self and own my flaws and all. And I've really started becoming the most confident version that I've I've ever seen of me. And I shared that message in my book, Confidence Creator. Amazing. And you also have a podcast that's about confidence. <laughs> so I do. Yeah. I, I launched a podcast in May called Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. And it's been a wild ride the past two years. You know, I've been taking a lot on a lot of new endeavors and trying different things, failing a lot and, you know, succeeding as well along the way. So it's been pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. And would you say now the type of confidence you have and, and what you, you also teach to people is more of the lines of like authentic confidence? 
confidence? Absolutely. You know, I guess when I was younger, channeling other personas, you know, like Beyonce does that when she takes a stage, she channels her Sasha fears. When I would go into meetings, I would definitely channel someone that I would look up to and believe was confident or, you know, try to project that image and that strength. And I think that's a great solution for that time when you need it. But to really become confident, you've got to start owning your flaws and stepping into the real you. And that channeling step is something that helped me to get to where I am today. So I don't discourage that in anyone. I applaud anyone that's trying to build confidence any way they feel comfortable doing because that's going to help you propel momentum. But for me today, I really see at 45 years old that owning Every part of you is really the answer to becoming the most confident version of yourself. Mm -hmm. What what do you think are some of the myths that are surrounding confidence? I mean, I actually, it's funny because you're talking about Sasha Fierce, these kind of like alter egos, where some people will say, hey, fake it till you make it or like pretending you are this, you know, different persona or taking on this other persona isn't actually the best thing. And so I'm just kind of curious, like, is that more of a myth based on like your research and your own experiences? I don't think so because it served me well. I actually have a chapter in my book called Fake It Till You Make It because here's the thing, to get to a level of confidence where you can own your flaws and all, it's not easy. I see it as like a a ladder that you're going to improve along the way. You're going to fall back a couple steps, you know, start over. You might get divorced along the way and that's going to crush your confidence in your personal life, right? There's so many different things that can happen that you need to learn how to fall back down and sometimes taking a small step to help you get back up. And sometimes that's channeling Wonder Woman or channeling Sasha Fierce. Sometimes you need that assistance at that time. And in my early 30s, I needed that. So I would channel someone else. And that helped me get on a path to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been told that you're overconfident? Well, this is a misconception. Being overconfident, there's no such thing. What someone is alluding to is a false sense of confidence where someone's pretending they're perfect or they're arrogant. And that's the antithesis of real confidence, right? Because if you're really confident, there's no need to be the loudest in the room or to, you know, crush other people down. Those are the people, if you're pretending you're perfect, you're the most insecure person in the room. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think sometimes women, especially women in the workplace, they can get feedback that you're overconfident, you're too aggressive, you're too assertive. And I think that the word confidence, and maybe we can kind of step back and maybe define it in maybe like really simple terms. But I do feel like there are times where it's like, I'm trying to be confident. And by trying to be confident and be you know, have authentic confidence there. Sometimes it can feel like there's a little bit of a backfire, especially for women at work. And, you know, we are facing unconscious bias among other types of discrimination. So maybe we could just simplify like what is confidence and how do you spot the difference between confidence and someone who thinks you're aggressive, arrogant, you know, bragging too much or anything like that? That's such an interesting question that you bring up. First of all, I would just define confidence in a simplistic terms, which is being who you truly are in any situation and being okay with it. You know, because to me, it means I can walk into any room in whatever outfit I'm wearing that I feel good about because it's something I like, and I'm not concerned what other people think of me. I'm not concerned if people are excited to see me 
because I'm excited to be there and I'm excited to be me. It's really owning your own thoughts, your own presence and yourself and feeling good about it regardless what anyone else thinks. That's what confidence truly is to me because it applies to any situation, whether you're going to your children's parent-teacher event and the, you know, the teacher's talking down to you because maybe your child isn't doing that well. Some people really struggle with confidence in that moment. You know, being confident would be able to be saying, hey, I still feel really good as a mother and a person sitting here today, you know, digging in, trying to do some work and understand more, but still feeling good about who you are and, you know, and just owning you. That's true confidence. So you're alluding to a situation in the workplace where someone might come at you and Luckily, this has happened to me after being in corporate America for 20 years. You know, I've had someone say to me, you're just too much, Heather, and you got to dial it down a little bit, you know, if you want to be taken seriously or get to the next level or whatever BS. Here's the thing, you know, that's about that person, first and foremost. And yes, people will be intimidated of you in the workplace if you are confident. That is a straight up fact. And in the end, if you are a threat, you will always be a target. So if people see you as a threat because you walk in confident, not concerned with what other people think and owning and rocking you, the majority of people in corporate America are insecure and they're worried about their job and worried about getting fired and worried, worried about everyone else, the opposite of confidence. So when you're in a culture like that, for number one, you know, you have to assess that culture and say, is this somewhere I really want to be? I didn't do that for a long time because I just thought this is life. You you know, I get up, I go to work, I'm on the career path, I'm getting promoted. I never took a step back and said, are these the people I want to surround myself with? Am I in good company? You know, am I growing? I didn't think like that. I just thought this is what you're supposed to do to pay the bills and, you know, exist in this world of corporate America. So I challenge everyone to First, ask yourself, are you in the right room? Because that's something I ask myself every single day now. It's no longer what that person, you know, Joe's telling me that I'm too big and I'm too much. I'm wondering, why am I in a room with Joe? That's not my people. You know, when I'm with my people, they're the ones cheering me on. Yes, they might say, hey, Heather, you know, when you made this comment, I don't know that that came across correctly. Is this what you meant? Now that's constructive feedback, right? Because that's someone who's open-minded, being supportive and wanting to understand more. Those are my people. But if someone's trying to smash me down because they don't feel like enough or they're threatened or they're scared, that just tells me I'm in the wrong room and I need to address and start opening my mind to where I really want to be. Yeah. I mean, does ego play a role in that too? Because I feel like like when we're talking about the workplace too, like office politics, right? Like that is something where you kind of feel like, oh, this is just a natural part of the workplaces that you have to manage and navigate through office politics. But also ego can play a big role in how people might want to take someone else down, right? Like, as you said, there's a difference between constructive criticism and feedback versus someone who's just kind of trying to take you down a peg because their ego is threatened by this, right? I don't know how the relationship between ego and confidence comes out. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. You know, we're never going to have all the insight into other people. So we don't know if, you know, if it is their ego, if it's their insecurity, if it's their past, you know, failures, who knows what it is that's on them and for them to figure out. But what we need to know is, are we feeling supported in the environment we're in? Are we in a healthy environment where we have the opportunity to grow? 
Or conversely, are we around people that are doing all they can to dim our light, hold us back, and try to shut us down? And if we're in the latter of those two options, we've got to get the heck out of there and start taking action today to make it happen. Agreed. So you talked about triggers, and I really like that because I do think that even if you are you know, a confident person or you consider yourself a confident person, you feel good about what you're working on, you're energized, you like the people. I mean, there are things that can certainly, there are trigger points for people. So how do you spot what these triggers are? And then once you know what your triggers are, how do you navigate that so that they don't kind of just wipe your you know, plate clean with the confidence? Like you, I don't want to get cut off at the knees, you know? Sure. So one of the things that happened to me in corporate America, and I found out about it because I was journaling. So I recommend to everyone to journal. It literally takes five minutes a day at the end of your day, just to take a couple of notes on what occurred. And I luckily journaled my entire career. And when I started reflecting on my, you know, my thirties specifically, I noticed there was this very strong pattern where I would want something, I would desire something. And one example is I wanted to speak at this large technology conference in New York. I had attended it as a guest and I wanted to be a speaker. I told no one, but I journaled about it. And then one day, a year after that, I was speaking at another conference and the head of that technology conference was in my audience. And he sent me a text afterwards and said, you're a fantastic speaker. I'd love to see you speak again. And I journaled about this at night. Wow, now that he's mentioned he thinks I'm good, I'm going to pitch him on me. It was a real epiphany moment for me to see, wow, I have these desires, these passions, these wants in life. I keep them a secret only to share with myself until someone shows me some indication that I might have potential in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And so I really completely transformed the way I approached my goals, my desires from that point on. I decided I'm no longer going to wait for someone to show me that they think I might be able to do something. I'm going to go for what I want when I want it and let the cards fall however they may. And that's really when my career started taking off. Wow, that's fascinating. Just I feel like I've heard people talk about that almost like they're manifesting or they're visualizing and like, you know, it's like your thoughts become your action. It, we hear this stuff over and over again, probably for a reason, but also journaling and talking about what you want and, and being certain about it does have an effect in your actions later on. Well, it can or it cannot. You know, for yeah. me, for a long time, I knew what I wanted. I just did not take the action. And you have to have both elements, right? So For me to really start accelerating my career, I had to take that action step. And I was not doing that before. And personally, for me, it was fear that used to hold me back. Now that I'm in my 40s, I've reframed the way that I see fear. I now see it as a green light that means go. You know, when we're children, we're told when you feel fearful, go home, hide, you know, stay safe. Well, now as an adult, I see fear as a green light. And the minute I start feeling afraid, I take action immediately and great things come as a result. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about Acuity, the scheduling assistant that works 24-7 behind the scenes to fill your calendar and take hours of work off your plate. If you need to know something about me, it's this. I hate wasting time. Acuity scheduling has been a lifesaver for me. With it, I'm able to cut hours of useless back and forth emails with clients and networking contacts. Acuity allows me to share my calendar with my availability and book meetings instantly. With a tool like Acuity helping me, I haven't missed a beat. I'm saving time, I'm still booking time with my clients, 
And I'm even getting paid faster because I'm automating some of those really annoying back and forth business day-to-day activities with just a few clicks. With Acuity, I can rest assured that my schedule is also not going to get out of hand or double booked. Acuity allows clients to fill out intake forms so I can arrive at the meeting armed with all the knowledge I need. It's like having a 24-7 assistant whose only job is to take care of my busy calendar and I'm totally here for it. Save yourself from the day-to-day drudgery of having to keep up with your clients and your busy schedule by using Acuity Scheduling. For a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity Scheduling absolutely free. No credit card required. Just go to acuityscheduling.com slash females. That's acuity, A-C-U-I-T-Y, scheduling.com slash females. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. All right, now let's get back to the show. So outside of journaling, which helps you recognize your triggers, are there great podcasts or books outside of your own, of course, that have helped you kind of learn how to maybe not just identify your triggers, but then like, what are ways to cope with that too? Because I do feel like in my own life, like I've had really good days at work where I'm like on top of the world, nothing gets me down. And then maybe something will happen and it will knock you off, you know, your center and you automatically go to this place of like, I'm not good enough. I know you have something in your book or a message around the the fraud mindset. You automatically go to this low place where it's like, you're not good enough. You can't do anything. Your insecurities are so loud. And I'm just, I mean, I don't know if there's a, a good, like a mental exercise or something that you can do to kind of help yourself not drop to those points. Like, how can you be like, okay, I got knocked off my platform, but I don't need to go all the way back to zero. Right. So one of the questions I like to ask people is, how's that working for you? Beating yourself <laughs> up mentally. Yeah. Is that working out great? You know, and everyone's going to yeah. say no, right? It's not. Okay. So if we know that's not working out great and we're self-aware to that, okay, let's number one, identify that's something we're no longer going to do. We can stop ourselves and catch ourselves when we start doing it. And instead let's rewrite the script. So I literally sat down and there's a chapter in my book on this where I sat down and I rewrote, I used to do that. I used to say, oh my God, you blew it again. Why did you do that? You always drop the ball. You always let yourself down. And it wasn't paying off. It wasn't helping me. It was hurting me. And when I noticed that, I decided to write down what I wanted to say. You know, you are enough. You are kind and loving. You are trying your best. I'm proud of you. I know you can do this. I believe in you. Just these simple things that I would say to my child, I wrote down and I started saying them first reading them from a piece of paper, then saying them in the mirror, then looking at an image of a confident image of myself, and then repeating this with frequency. And it's essentially putting to work what the media does to you every single day subconsciously to sell you burgers at McDonald's. I was doing to create confidence and rewrite that script that had been running in my head and I was completely unaware. And it does not take a long time to rewrite that. It's just discipline and frequency because frequency sells. So within a month I was doing that, I really started rewriting that script. So my default started becoming a really positive one. Oops, you made a mistake. That's okay. That's how we learn and grow. 
And really for me, this all started when I had my child because I spoke in such a kind and loving and supportive way to him that I started challenging myself. If I speak to him like this, this is the way you speak to a plant when you want it to grow. How about I start speaking to me the way that I speak to all these other loving, wonderful things in my life? I wonder how much stronger and better I can become. And it worked. Yeah. No, I love that. And I I think like frequency, consistency, these are people who say or have the goal maybe that they're like, I want to be more confident this year. It's like, well, this is not a button you're going to push and just bam, you're going to be more confident. This is something that you will have to practice on an ongoing basis, right? Like make a regular practice out of it. Absolutely. And there's one other element that I want to share with you that worked for me too. I put that into action, a 30-day plan where I essentially was running an ad campaign in my own mind for myself and it works. So I encourage people to try that. There's no harm. There's no cost in doing it and nothing but good will come from it. I guarantee that. And then the other thing that I did was I wanted to have some proof. And what I mean by that is I would start looking in my life and I constantly keep three examples in my life readily available to me of proof that if I push myself to that next level, things are going to work out okay. And I used to say, if I push myself into that fear, into that next confidence step, because stepping into fear is building confidence. If I'm able to do that, I'm not going to die. I used to start with that very low expectation. I bet if I challenge myself to go speak in the meeting today, I'll live. I bet I won't get fired today or, you know, really put low expectations on yourself. Then I started tracking and keeping this credibility log of, wow, I raised my hand in that meeting and no one laughed at me. I survived. Wow, I took that stage and I didn't fall down and I'm still here to talk about it. You know, so I started sharing these different examples with myself just for me. And I still to this day, I started that a few years ago. And to this day, when I was going to interview Sarah Blakely live on stage in front of 4,000 people, and I started wondering, oh my gosh, she's a billionaire. Oh my gosh, she's been on the cover of how many mag? Oh my gosh, should I even be sitting next to her? I started getting in a negative mindset. And I pulled out that piece of paper and I looked at the last three instances I had of proof and credibility that, wow, if these other three things worked out and I felt the same way I'm feeling right now, this one's going to go great too. And then I just took the stage and it went fantastic. And those are really the ways that I allow proof and credibility within me to propel me to that next step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sarah Blakely has a quote I love, and it's that mindset is the single most important thing you can have as an entrepreneur work on it daily. So you also, I feel like your message with who you were interviewing, it's perfect because she's also someone who talks a lot about mindset and how the way you speak to yourself and the messages you give yourself and what you're saying, like keep an accountability log. Those are some of the most important things that you can have that lead to you know, these successful moments and people kind of forget that there's all this back end work that's happening before you, you know, go on stage to interview Sarah Blakely in front of 4,000 people. It's so true. There's so much work that goes into it. I will tell you for a month leading up to that interview, because I I truly was intimidated by her. I had her on a pedestal in my mind, which is never good. Anytime we're putting someone up on a pedestal, we're putting us beneath them. So it's really important to try to level that playing field and just accept that we're all equal, which really is the truth. But sometimes, you know, we get in our head. What I started doing was I was doing a meditation where I would meditate and I would see myself seeing her, hugging her, connecting with her as real people, as mothers, as working women, and that we were equal and that, you know, the conversation was normal like friends. But I practiced that once a day for, I think it was a month. 
And I saw that in my mind. I practiced it and I felt really positive. So when I did meet her, I wasn't shaking. I had already, you know, seen this movie in my head a number of different times. And I truly believe that helps me. I did it when I went on Steve Harvey and I was petrified going on there. And I did the same thing. I watched reruns and reruns of the Steve Harvey show for a month. And I would see the color of the couch and picture me sitting on the couch. You know, the more you can put yourself in a situation, the more comfortable you're going to be when you get there. Mm -hmm. I really like this. And I'm, I mean, we've been talking a little bit more about like mental and mindset and those things. But now that you're talking about like physically visualizing yourself, I'm really into the like physical side of this, like maybe your physical appearance. Is that something like if you are trying to you know, quote unquote, build your confidence. Does physical appearance, like maybe like, you know, new wardrobe, new haircut. I I know I'm getting like very surface level, those questions, but I do feel like, and I don't know if there's science behind this. When you feel like you look good, sometimes there's a confidence in other parts of your life. Is that just us having a good hair day or is that real? Okay. We're twinning on this one because (laughs) here's the thing for you and I, yes. Now, maybe there are some people listening right now where they're like, you know what? That doesn't resonate with me. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I've learned, I wrote about 40 different ways to create confidence. Not everyone needs every single way, right? Like you might gravitate towards that. I gravitate towards that. And for me, it's like armor. When I put on either a red dress or a navy blue dress and my hair, I get a good blowout. I feel like nothing can get me. I just feel so powerful and strong because when I dress like that, when I look like that, I'm always doing something big. And it reminds me, it's like a trigger for me mentally that I'm about to go crush something. You know, like I get in that headspace. And the other thing I couple with that, well, a couple of things I couple with it. One, I leave a note on the bottom of my heels. When I'm in that outfit, I write it that morning at my house while I'm really getting fired up. I always smell lavender. That's another trigger for me. And then when I get in the car to go wherever I'm going, I have a playlist that I use. And I use the same playlist every single time. I've been using the same playlist for two years. When I hear this music, I'm in the red or the navy blue dress. My hair is rocking. I've got the note on my heels. and I just smelled the lavender. It's like, get the hell out of my way. <laughs> because that. something amazing is about to happen. Yeah. No, I, I mean... Again, like there might actually be some science to back up what we're saying, but it's kind of, as you you said, like not every way or out of the 40 steps to build confidence, not all of those are going to resonate with people. But if this resonates with you, it's okay. Like it's not superficial to be like, hey, actually, it's important for me to have a good hair day before I go into that interview. Or like I know when I would go interview for jobs, like I would always drive to the interview location first because it was really important to me to not get there late because I knew that that would kind of knock my confidence a little bit. So also kind of like recognizing that we talk a lot about too, like the way you write an email, like not putting as many explanation marks in there or saying sorry all the time. (laughs) Like is the way you speak to other people, was that one of your 40 ways as well? Of course. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So forever. And I know that people notice this, you know, when I was at the gym, I would apologize if someone bumped into me with a weight. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I started realizing I was in this really uplifting space. Working out is very uplifting to me. However, I was putting myself beneath everyone. I don't think I've said I'm sorry in two years, which maybe that's not good, but (laughs) I don't ever apologize anymore. And I'm so trained. Again, it's just a discipline. If someone bumps into me, I say, excuse me. And if I'm late for something, I say, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. Thank you for your help in waiting for me. You know, I make it about gratitude towards the other person and it's truly empowering. And then I started noticing some of the other words I was using. I used to think it was funny to say, oh, blonde moment 
Well, what I started realizing was people would believe me. Yeah. I was selling to them that I was ditzy or that just all I am is my hair color. And people started thinking less of me. We are teaching people how to treat us. And yeah. the more we can respect ourselves, speak highly of ourselves and speak about ourselves the way we want other people to speak about us, that's just you know being aware. Suddenly you'll start seeing people will treat you differently. Let's take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor, Society6. Is it just me or did the holiday season creep up out of nowhere this year? All of a sudden, we have a few weeks to get our acts together. That's where Society6 comes in for me. We all have that one person on our holiday shopping list who is impossible. When I was searching for a gift for that person on my list, I won't say who it is, but it's definitely my sister. That's when a light bulb went off. Society6. Society6 has gifts from over 350,000 independent artists from around the world. No matter who you're shopping for, you can find the gift for them on Society6. Whether it's the perfect phone case for that loved one who is always dropping her phone or an inspirational wood art print for your coworker's desk, Society6 has all the stuff. Here's a really cool thing about Society6 too. Every Society6 purchase pays an artist, which in turn empowers creativity around the world. It feels good to know that the gifts you choose were designed and crafted by an independent artist. Plus, it's a great story to tell the person who you gave the gift to. There are endless designs to choose from. You're sure to find something for everyone on that list and maybe even a gift or two for yourself. Shh, no one has to know. Give thoughtful and unique gifts this holiday season with Society6. You can get 30% off and free shipping when you use my code FEMALES, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, at Society6's website. That's s6.co slash pod. Again, that's S as in society, 6.co slash pod with the promo code FEMALES. Society6, design your everyday with art you love. All right, now let's get back to the show. Do you have any good tips on how to set boundaries if you're kind of just starting out and you're feeling like this is really uncomfortable to tell someone no or to say, you know, that's not a priority for me right now? Or I don't know, just kind of like going against maybe those natural tendencies to be a people pleaser. Yeah. So I talk a lot about firing the villains in your life. Everyone has villains in your life. I don't care who you are. It might even be you. You could be your own villain and that's okay. We, you know, we've got a plan to attack that as well, but it's addressing who are the villains in your life? Who are the people that when you're around, you feel like they're trying to take you down. They are passive aggressive, putting you down, saying not nice, appropriate things to you. So make a list of those people, fire the ones from your life that you can. And when you can't fire them, whether it be a mother or a coworker or whatever, it's time for a conversation and the time is now. And it's just to set clear communication on what is expected moving forward. And I went through a situation where I was getting divorced and my mother did not want me to get divorced. And it was a very hard time for me. So I finally realized every time I'd hang up with her, she'd beg me not to get divorced. I would be crying and upset again. And I figured, hey, this isn't good for me. I've got to take care of me if I want to be a strong, you know, healthy person. So the next time she called, I said, listen, here's what's going to happen. I know you love me. I love you. However, when I hang up with you, I don't feel good about myself and that's not okay. So if we can't have conversations that aren't about divorce, we're not going to be able to speak for a finite period until I can build my strength. How would you like to move forward? Would you like to have conversations not around divorce? Or right now, would you like to gain a little space so that I can build my strength and come back and revisit this? She said, I'd like to speak and not speak about divorce. I said, okay, I honor and respect that. However, 
I'm reminding you that if we get back to that, I'll be hanging up as soon as the, the conversation changes. And it's important. You got to set that consequence out there and set that boundary. And then if someone leads you back inevitably to where they want to go back to the conversation around divorce or whatever it may be for you, that's when you say, oops, this is where I really have to take care of myself and move on. I will look forward to speaking to you uh, another day, you know, and I would just yeah. hang up the phone and I'll tell you, it took two times of having, you know, that consequence in place that the behavior changed. People will push you as far as you allow them to. And think about it this way. If someone's treating you poorly, look at that person. Are they treating every single person poorly or is it you? So you have to start owning that you're allowing that person to treat you that way and start identifying how do other people act that don't get treated like that? You're going to see those people have boundaries in place. They have self-respect. And that's something, a commitment you can make to yourself that you alone can change and change as fast as you'd like. Right. I love that you mentioned self-respect. I think it's something that doesn't get talked about as often as it should is, you know, standing in your own self-worth, that enough respect for yourself to walk away, to revisit a conversation the next day to, you know, maybe somebody's trying to blame something on you at work that you're like, I didn't do that. Like standing up for yourself and saying like, respectfully, that's not what happened, you know, or like pushing back a little bit. Really, as you said, like having respect for yourself. I think there are certain things that we talk a lot about, imposter syndrome, self-doubt, even like confidence, but self-respect is ultimately a big piece of confidence. It's a huge piece. And you just reminded me of a story in my, when I was promoted to VP of sales of a publicly traded company, I was 30 years old and I had just gotten fake boobs and I was at an awards dinner and I was dressed beautifully and I didn't know they did a roast and an older gentleman came out and started roasting me. And in the end of the roast, he said, and to the VP of cleavage, everyone raise your glass and toast her. And In that moment, I fought back tears. I was the youngest executive in the room and one of the only women. And I fought back tears and I didn't know what to do. And this really depleted my self-respect. Instead of standing up and walking out of that room or standing up and saying, do not speak to me in that regard or, you know, standing up for myself, I made a joke and started laughing and toasting with people. However, two minutes later, once the music went back on and the program continued, I ran to the bathroom and sat in there crying for 30 minutes in hiding. And that whole experience was so negative for me because I did not create self-respect from it. I did not create confidence from it. I depleted who I was and sacrificed who I was because I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've learned is, you know, shining a light on shame and standing up for yourself will give you all of the power in the world. And, you know, these days, that was 15 years ago, I would handle that situation so incredibly different. That person would never roast me again. Again, it's all about how do we respond to the ill will that's out there in the world? Because not everyone's going to be nice. Not everyone's going to treat us the way we want them to, but we can stand up for ourselves. We can create self-respect within ourselves and we can stand on our own two feet and do it. Yeah. And as you said, you teach people how to treat you. So probably for you looking back, you're like, I would have taught them how to you know, talk about me or to me completely differently. So they would have never thought I would be the person who would laugh along with that joke. Or in the least, I would have stood up and walked out. Like I would have made it a point that, you know, even if I felt too scared to say something, I would have stood up in a very aggressive fashion and walked out. That's the least I could have done. And I'm, you know, I'm always sad that I didn't have that 
strength back then, but it also, it's helpful for me to see how far I've come, you know, in a short period of time. But also I think having you share that story, it's great for all of us women to hear because also most of us or a lot of us weren't walking out of the rooms back then. I think today in 2019, it feels more normal to get up and walk out of the room and not play along with the guys when they're making fun of you. But back then, you know, like I just like this whole movement, Me Too movement and women kind of speaking up and saying, hey, that's not okay. Like, a lot of that wasn't happening or probably none of that was happening, you know, 15 years ago. And so I also feel like society is got your back as you do it today compared to had you done it 15 years ago. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great point. I I definitely agree with you. People would applaud if they saw someone stand up to someone like that, where back then I don't think they would (laughs) have. Yeah. And the the guys that make comments like that today are getting fired. (laughs) So, and back then they were getting high fives. So exactly. Our last question before we move into rapid fire is what was the last courageous act you made and what was the result or impact of that? Oh my gosh, this is such a big one. So a couple weeks ago, I gave my first ever TEDx talk. And even though I speak a lot, people will say, oh, it's going to be so easy for you. What I want people to know is a TEDx talk is not a regular talk. I was given a 10-minute window to give my talk. You're not allowed to leave this little red circle. You have a ticker going off in front of you. You get one shot up there, and it's going to live on YouTube forever. (laughs) The pressure and the restrictions, it's not like a normal situation. Besides the fact you're with 20 other speakers, most of which have no prior experience speaking, so they're very nervous. There aren't green rooms. Like it's just a complete shit show essentially. And I was in a mindset that, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'll get ready. I'll have my outfit on. I'll be in my power. You know, I'll be great. Well, no, I went there in my sweats and they wanted me to stay there and do a mic check. Anyways, to make a long story short, I got up to give the mic check in my sweats with eye patches on and my hair wet. (laughs) And five minutes in, I just went blank. And that's never happened to me in my entire life. And I got off the stage and someone said to me, wow, you remind me of a friend of mine that blew it the biggest game in the NFL he ever had. He missed his kick. Oh my God. (laughs) And I said to that person, I said, this is not helpful. And excuse me, I'll be leaving. And I told the director, I'm leaving. I went somewhere to be alone with two people that love me and support me. I read over my notes and I put my playlist on and I listened to it for 40 minutes. I got myself together in my dress that I knew I was rocking with my hair rocking. I walked back in there with my music on. I did not speak to anybody. And as I stood backstage and they called my name in my mind, I said, Heather, if you don't go out there right now, you will never forgive yourself. If you go out there and bomb, I'm going to be so proud of you. And I just walked out. I just, I knew in that moment it was okay if I bombed. But there was heck no chance I was just going to hide back there, even though I was petrified. And I went out there and I killed it. And I don't even know how it happened, but it went so well. And I'm so excited for everyone to see it. I can't wait. Yeah, that's amazing. I agree. Like, I think people are like, oh, it's a TED Talk. Like, people do these all the time. It's like, I don't think people understand that you're up there with no notes. There's no prompts. There's no nothing. It's like, you have to know your speech and it has to be engaging. Like, there are a lot of things happening. I went to the TED Women Conference last year and I just left with like, 
immense respect for the people who get up on those stages and they practice for so long to work on that stuff. It's a crazy thing. And then there's people that practice too much and it looks like they're a computer. You know what I mean? Like, so there's all these weird complexities (laughs) to it that, yeah, I I have total respect for people who get up there and give it a shot too. It's it's a wild ride. Yeah. It's like, don't just wing it, but don't be too rehearsed. It's right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like all this different pieces of advice. (laughs) Amazing. Well, let's wrap up with rapid fire. These are quicker one word answers. The podcast you're binge listening to right now is my own creating (laughs) confidence. I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) I love it. You wind down by drinking wine. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. Um, Okay. Someone you love following on Instagram is let me think who I I, probably Gary V. He cracks me up. He's really good on Instagram too. Looking back, you tell your younger self just believe in you and go for it and tune out all the noise because they're all wrong. Yeah. Well, thank you, Heather, so much for joining us today. Where can people find you and follow you? And and you can mention your podcast again and your book as well. Sure. My website's heathermonahan.com. I have a free accountability partner program people can sign up with there. My book is Confidence Creator. It's on Amazon and on Audible, and I narrate the Audible version. I'm at Heather Monahan on all social platforms and on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One. I'm creating confidence with Heather Monahan. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us some really amazing actionable tips for how we can step into our confidence today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our favorite part of the show. It's called Tough Questions. And Kayleen Holden, our head of contents here. Hi, Kayleen. Hi, Lauren. And we'll start with some behind the scenes news at Kirk and Tessa. Kayleen, what's happening in your world? In my world, planning New Year content, which I know, I guess we're like three weeks. Yep. The holidays are coming. Yeah, the next decade. We pretty much pre-plan everything so that we can take a little bit of a break and have only like the things that pop up, pop up. It's cool because it kind of gives you a a head start on all of that, you know, resolutions kind of things, planning out your year. New year, new career. Yes. (laughs) That's what we do every January. I love new year, new career. I also uh, like the new decade, new year, new season. I mean, if people are into fresh starts, this is like the epitome of fresh starts coming up. It's the 20s. It's the 20s. I know. So weird. I know. I remember, I mean, I graduated college in 2009. So I like, which is the number I remember really well. Of Like, you know, when did you graduate high school? I'm like, oh, count back from that kind of thing. So 2020 feels, I do feel like we are in a new decade and it feels very far in the future. Yeah. Something it's, about the 20s. It's a very futuristic um, year number to it. Yeah. 2020. Yes, exactly. Okay, so behind the scenes in my world, well, we have a webinar tomorrow. So if you guys have never joined a Career Contessa webinar, you absolutely should. They are live conversations, and we have a special guest who's coming to our office, and we're going to talk about how you know if you are management material. So I always like those because the live interaction is really fun. And then, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, like what's on my plate? It's like trying to get everything scheduled so that then we can actually go to the holidays and come back. Thinking about for January, as I already mentioned, like new year, new career, but also thinking about the next season of the podcast. So, you know, what's that going to look like? What's our theme going to be? And no, we're not going to give you any spoilers (laughs) right now. But so that's something that's really fun to kind of be creatively brainstorming. So, okay, tough questions. I can start. I always... (laughs) Put you in the hot seat first. Okay. Have you ever had a presentation or a live moment 
something that was happening like right then and there just completely not go according to plan. What was it? And then how did you recover? <laughs> it was a webinar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, they're fun, but they will shave years off your life from the stress. <laughs> it was a webinar, my first ever live webinar. With Claire Contessa? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. It was with another company, but we were doing it with someone else remotely. And there was a really bad echo, like so bad, so delayed. I don't think I was the person speaking on it, if I remember, though I like blocked it out immediately. I remember my boss, it was so bad that he took me out for a beer afterwards. He was like, that was rough. (laughs) (laughs) So I was so stressed. The echo was so bad that when you stopped talking, it was like another 10 seconds before they even heard it. Could the audience hear that too? Yeah. Oh, geez. So, and then we got off of it and, you know, the other companies, like, it was you guys. We were like, that's not helpful. So, how I recovered, I guess, was a beer. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I had someone else to kind of split the pain with. Like anything, nobody remembers it. I'm I sure know. if I, like, brought it up to the, you know, company that we did work with, because they were actually in L.A. I was in San Francisco at the time. They probably wouldn't even remember it ever happened. Yeah, but in the moment, they were probably livid and i was just like oh my god let this be over let this be over because you have to you kind of have to just like go through it horrible i've had plenty of bad live <laughs> webinar experiences my very first webinar we ever did for a career contest i was actually a google hangout and it was not working and so i closed it and i didn't know that when you close it it's done like these are like at the time it was like people can't just join back in so i had to create a brand new webinar and then try to invite people right then and there to join it was terrible i always joke i'm like yeah it's you know shaving years off my life due to the stress of trying to figure out live video why is there an echo why can't you hear me why is it blurry internet connections you're like i don't know just sweating sitting there sweating Ugh. another thing i actually did at career contessa was we did a instagram live and I reached my time limit in the middle of the Instagram oh live. God. It wasn't really that bad because, I mean, I just had to get up and, like, press the button. It was kind yeah. of embarrassing. I was like, yeah, I have no self-control. <laughs> That's my self-control button. <laughs> and you were over your limit while you are doing a yes, live. Yes, yes. great. That was great. <laughs> Sending good vibes to anyone who has to do anything live for their job, for sure. I feel like we talk about, like, going with your gut and gut feelings a lot. Is there a time that you can remember where your gut was, like, completely wrong and it just betrayed you? Yes. One time I hired someone and I was like, I thought they were going to be great. Everything was going to be wonderful. And then two weeks later, we like decided like, hey, this isn't the job for you. And I was lucky because it was like two weeks later. But I mean, in my gut, I was like, this person's like a natural fit. And also I had been a recruiter. So I felt like, you know, I was good at hiring. I'm using air quotes like and yeah, they lasted for two weeks before they were like, I don't think this is the right fit for me. I was like, I don't think it's the right fit either. I mean, it was a very like I got lucky. It was like a very amicable like yeah. breakup with that. But yeah, like hiring things gut wise. I think also going with your gut in terms where like it hasn't worked, like sometimes picking certain partners, sponsored partners for things. And then you like now I'm better. I mean, you know this now I'm a lot better to be like, you know, what? I can already tell this isn't going to work. But, you, you know, experience helps you decide that stuff. And then I don't know about I think everything at Career Contest is like we create things as there's a need for them. And I think we do a decent job at like taking our time, but also making sure things get finished. I'm trying to think if there's been gut decisions where I've been like, oh, hit live on that thing before it's ready. And like partly because of the world we're in, we can always fix things too, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, ask me when there's a book out <laughs> uh, or I can't just like go in and edit really quickly. But yeah, I mean, the, the big one is related to like more like internal 
stuff, like yeah. company decisions. People stuff. I think because people, people can hard. people can trick you. Yeah. So you know, it's funny because even when I was a recruiter before, like the same thing would happen. Like this happens to almost all companies and almost all people. Like I interviewed some people for the book and one girl was like, you know, I left this job I loved to go work at this company and I did everything right. Like I had informational interviews. I talked to them. I decided this was the career transition. Like she didn't like just make this jump. And she was like, I was there for like three weeks and I realized like this is not the right fit. And so it's fascinating because I also feel like sometimes you can't avoid that stuff mm-hmm. too. You go in with good intentions, gut checks, check out, you know, all that kind of stuff. So then it's like ends up being this like lesson you needed to learn. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like never listening to my gut again or having some doubts about it. So, I mean, look, I still think trusting your gut and your intuition and being able to listen to it is a good thing. But I also know that there are people who quote unquote do everything right and that it, it still happens that way. You yeah. Know? Anyway, okay, well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. I say this every week, but we really do read every single review. We love when you guys let us know. Also, you can tell us what you like and don't like so that we can take that into account as we think about next season. But we'll be back next Tuesday with Dr. Leah Shepard to discuss if good looks can actually get you fired super juicy episode but until then you can follow us on at the females podcast on instagram share this episode with your work wives and listen to this sneak peek of next week's episode it doesn't even matter your gender if you are just a human being who is living and observing how do you not notice that people are treated so differently based on gender I don't know how we don't notice that, how there's such a different set of expectations and stereotypes that surround being determined as a male or a female. And so this has just always fascinated me and I've always enjoyed learning about gender differences where they exist, but also talking about where do those come from? You know, are they biological? Are they socialized? 